Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. Joining me today are the two co-founders of Luna Joy. I'm really excited. One of them is in the Tampa, St. Pete area, like myself. The other one, I'm just kidding. We'll, we'll say <laughs> she's, she's in the, in the Georgia, uh, Georgia area. But uh, really excited to talk with both of these two amazing co-founders. Uh, let's kick things off. Um, would love to hear both of your, your, your backgrounds, intros, and then we'll dig into Luna Joy. Yeah, I'm happy to kick it off. Um, and I love being down here in Tampa. I'm Shama Rathi. I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist. I've been working in the digital health space since about 2015. You know, being one of 7,000 child and adolescent psychiatrists, I've always been fascinated with the use of technology to increase access to care. And to that end, I've built and operated telehealth solutions in a variety of different settings. So inpatient, outpatient, residentials, partials, most recently emergency room settings. And I think a common thread that has come through all of that that I have repeatedly seen is really how divorced medical care is from behavioral health care. And in seeing how fractured that these systems are, you really start to notice how it is negatively impacting patient outcomes and how hard it is to actually receive care. And so this is what we set out to solve through technology and bringing both of these worlds kind of together. I will say that this is a personal passion, but also very a, a very personal one. Having gone through two back-to-back -back pregnancies and going through the medical system myself, I've really noticed where the care gaps are. And this is a big driving force behind the mission for Luna Joy. Yep, and I'm Sipra Lada. Um, I am one of the co-founders of Luna Joy as well. Uh, and by training, I'm a reproductive psychiatrist. So prior to starting Luna Joy, I worked in the mental health system, both in the hospital sector as well as in private practice for about eight years. Um, also, like Shema, just started to see a lot of the same patterns repeat, which is mental health care is not necessarily built for women, especially around vulnerable life transitions, um, and that this was consistently a care gap. Uh, also, personally, I'm the mom of four, so I have a set of twins and two singletons afterwards, and for me, a big part of what we're building is based on personal experience as it met with my professional experience. So when I was chief resident, I was running around at Emory um, taking care of women in the perinatal mental health um, clinic mm -hmm. over there, seeing that women were often waiting months and months to get into care, that they didn't really have good access to specialized resources. At the very same time, I was, you know, very far along into this monodi high-risk twi um, twin pregnancy where I was seeing my OB and my MFM and, you know, all of these different specialists realizing that while they were doing a wonderful job medically, there was no mental health safety net that was built around that pregnancy and the same continued in the postpartum period. And so just really um, started to look at not just, you know, is there mental health care available, but really how do we get these conduits between mental health and behavioral health care and how do we make it personalized and built for women as we're needing it? How do you two, like, how do you two know each other? How did this relationship start, you know, this founding team? Yeah. So we've actually known each other a long time. Um, Shema is my sister-in-law, so she's actually married to my brother. Um, and so I met her when my brother was seriously dating her, and I was the first person in our family to meet her. He was like, hey, just come meet her, check her out. You know, we've been, been serious. I really like this girl. And I remember when I met her, I was like, oh, he's dating a psychiatrist. How interesting. <laughs> and it was a very interesting first meeting, but we hit it off. And, um, you know, we've had a lot of the same passions and interests. And as we've been following each other's career and um, 
and things like that over time. We've been talking about the solution probably for about 10 years. And so in the middle of a pandemic with, you know, multiple children between the two of us, age four and under at that point, we thought, you know, why not now? Um, and so about two years ago, we kind of kicked off working together. That is super interesting. Uh, usually I hear the stories about, you know, spouses starting companies or siblings. You're one of the, I, I know this happens, right? But you're one of the first stories where it's like, she's dating my brother. Yeah. Or she's married to my brother in this instance. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm interested. What was the? You said you, you hit it off, but was it was it a thumbs up when uh, for you you first met? Um, and did you ever expect that you would start a business? Uh, That's a great question. It was a huge thumbs up after I met her, and I remember telling my brother like, "You better not mess it up with her. I really like her." Um, and you know, things went very well between the two of them. I was really excited when they got engaged and, um, married. And what was your, the second part of your question? Did you ever imagine, I I think I already know the answer that you would start a business together in the future. I'll let Shama answer that. We definitely did not. I will say that. I think, again, this is something that Zipper and I had been ideating about for a very long time from the beginning. We were both kind of going through residency around the same time, fellowship, all of our training we kind of did in parallel. And so we had been talking about this for so long and we were just kind of talking around it for so long. And I think when COVID happened, we really started realizing that we were really both, you know, two sides of the same coin. A lot of the stuff that she likes to do, I don't and vice versa. And so we very quickly realized we actually make a really great team. And I think that's really been reflective of our journey and how we've been able to grow. I love it. Uh, So one of the, one of the cool things when, you know, I was reviewing your website and learning more about, I've obviously heard about, about you just being in the, the, the Tampa community as well, right? And then outside of that. But I wanted to ask you to kind of break down for us, how, how do we design, you know, mental care to help people shine, right? You have a tagline where you want to help people shine. But it, it had me thinking more, okay, so what what's, in your opinion, what's the best way to actually go ahead and, and do that? And, you know, that's that's um, you know, why you started this business, right? This, this, uh, this healthcare organization. But talk us through that a little bit. Yeah. And I think two big tenants that come up for us when we think about helping people shine is personalization and prevention. I think those are two models that, well, personalization is, I think, slowly entering mental health, but prevention does not exist. Oftentimes in mental health care, we're waiting until things are really bad. Things have been dysfunctioning for a really long time. Maybe your family members are seeing, maybe your friends are seeing, and things are really hitting the fan, and now you're finally getting care. And instead of that, we don't do any kind of prevention. We don't ask earlier. We don't ask at regular touch points. And so I think when we're thinking about helping people really be their whole selves and their best selves, we're really thinking about how do we personalize the care that we're delivering and how how are people able to access that when things are not looking so bad, when things are, you know, maybe just not doing okay a little bit and when you need a little bit of extra support. To jump off of that too, I think um, being in like unique positions as both physicians and people who have, you know, struggled with various parts of the journey, um, it's understanding to like provider behavior and patient behavior. And that goes beyond just necessarily like pathology or disease process or medication management or psychotherapy, but really understanding like what are the things that um, 
create barriers to care. You know, not only is there a psychiatrist available, but how do I feel about psychiatry? How do I feel about getting mental health care? Where in my journey did I first start hearing about it? And really moving the paradigm completely on that and leaning into the health system, um, leading into kind of working with primary care doctors and OBGYNs because they're already in the health system, often really struggling to meet the mental health needs of their patients. And so being able to bring together the needs of the provider along with the needs of the patient in really a seamless way and do it in a way that's not just adding burden either to the patient, which is here's a list of 17 people, hope you call, good luck, um, and not adding to the to the provider's um, journey, which is OB, now you need to you know figure out how to get your patient situated as you're taking care of the 17 out but other things that you need to take care of, you know, in with your patient in your day. Um, so thinking about like all of those touch points, I think really carefully and figuring out how to create a seamless solution has been a large part of the journey. And this is really how we get people to shine. So rather than building a digital health solution in the air and then looking for Facebook or for Google to, to fill our our boat, um, we've been really looking at what are the organic problems that we've not only experienced with patients as moms, um, but that we've seen as providers. And I think it's really cool. Like we're not building, uh, you know, a novel new medication or, you know, like a rocket ship that is going to solve a very like interesting, strange thing. We're, we're taking evidence-based solutions. We're building conduits. We're doing it in a seamless fashion in a way that makes sense for everyone. And so, um, it's exciting, but this is, I think, what the where, where the premise is of getting people to shine is really meeting their needs, all of their needs. Well said. Yeah, and sorry if you see this microphone. I put together this table, and I think it's gonna. It might fall during this episode. Like, <laughs> it might just. So I'm I'm trying to be very careful here. Uh, I put it together, and then I realized there was ten screws that were hidden somewhere else. <laughs> um, and now it's a little sway. It's fine. It's just, it makes, I just have to move with it. Right. And it's, it's all good. But, um, <laughs> speaking of challenges on that note, what are some of the, the biggest challenges, um, both of you have faced in this space? Right. And, and I want to be clear for there's, there's also like non-entrepreneurs that listen to this, right. Challenges are, are inevitable, especially in the healthcare space. Only when we talk about these challenges can we actually continue to improve them both for ourselves and then for others. So that being said, let's hear uh, some challenges. Why don't we start with you, uh, Shama, and then we'll, we'll kick it over to Sipra. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I think we can talk probably all day long about the fractured system and how regulated it is and where it should and shouldn't be regulated. Um, I think one challenge that has been really difficult has been kind of the psychological underpinnings of the provider community around mental health in the medical community. I think there is a lot of learned helplessness that has been created in a lot of our medical colleagues. Oftentimes when OBs are seeing um, women, they have 15 minutes and in that 15 minutes, they need to do an ultrasound check, you know, make sure their heart is okay, make sure everything is developing okay. And they have to ask around their mental health. And more often than not, a lot of those screens are coming back positive. And it's like, what do I do with that screen? Do I now take it and fax it to a doctor who may or may not have availability or be in network? How does all of that work? And so I think in in that entire process, there has been so much learned helplessness um, that has been challenging to overcome at times, because now it is like we're trying to 
recreate this culture of screening, recreate this culture of asking. Um, right now, people are asking at six weeks postpartum, again, when we've really missed the boat. And so we're trying to have these conversations about how do we get screenings in done earlier at um, confirmation ultrasounds or the gestational diabetes visits? How can we do more preventative work? Um, and those conversations have been really interesting to navigate, to say the least. Interesting. Anything yeah. you'd like to add, Cipra, to that? Um, yeah, so I think the the medical piece is one part of it. I think um, on my end, there there is a lot of challenge around kind of getting incentives to align. So I think first around just recognition that this is a massive care gap. I think that uh, as we have seen and proven and studied, um, there's a lot of like suffering that's normalized for women. Um, and in peripartum mood disorders or perimenopausal mood disorders, there's a lot of like, well, it's time limited. Everyone goes through it. It's fine. They'll, they'll figure it out. They'll be okay. And what the data is the opposite, which is there's long downstream effects. It affects like this generation, the next generation, there's costs associated with it. And so it is really interesting time where now payers are getting data around the increased costs. Um, hospital systems are getting data around increased costs, right? We're, we're all getting this data that is helping us to align around, we need to do something about this care gap, but that is definitely very much in motion and something that is coming together now. And I'm hoping that as time goes on, you know, we'll have more of that. But I think that that has has probably made some of the initial payer and health system discussions a little bit difficult, which is people are like, well, it's the right thing. I want to do the right thing. I want to take care of women, um, but I'm not really seeing a business case for it. Or from a payer perspective, like it's a focus for this year, but, you know, let's try to figure out when this actually becomes a priority because it's dollars and cents attached to it. And so um, really pushing these conversations forward, I think, has been a challenge because historically taking care of women in the medical system has not necessarily been monetized or prioritized. And in terms of like, what's, what's next for like what you, what you both are, are continuing to build here with, with Luna Joy, what's next that's exciting you and uh, let's say in 2023 and beyond with the business? Yeah, you know, I think that kind of jumps off of what Cipra was just saying is that some of those conversations, those early conversations were really difficult around like, you know, is there a case for this? In the last six to eight months, there has been so much data coming out around increasing maternal mortality. And one of the number one reasons underlying that being mental health, that we are now getting outraged by hospital systems and payers about these solutions. This has now urgently become a focus for many payers and big systems. And that has been very exciting. Some of those conversations, um, you know, we're really getting to co-create those solutions with these partners. Um, and I think that is really where impact is going to happen. I love it. Anything, last notes, Cipra? No, agreed with everything she said. I think just getting really more plugged into the system. We already have a number of OB partners and expanding that to health systems and payers. Um, had a lot of really great early traction and just really being able to implement and get to the next level. I mean, I'm excited for this year. I love it. I'm really excited for both of you. Um, Sipper, definitely when you're in town next, let's, uh, let's all meet up. Would love to uh, obviously meet in person and uh, please keep us updated on everything that's happening with Luna Joy. Would love to have you come back on again, maybe get you on a panel or just do some updates for the audience about where things stand, but yeah, really appreciate you both fun. coming on. Thanks for having us.